I want to continue from last week. Last week was kind of heavy, um, but good, and we're going to continue with the heavy. Um, I don't want to apologize for it, but I also want to make sure we're not just dealing with fluff. I've been to church services where it's the same old all the time, and I can't do fake. I just can't. I want to make it real, um, even if it is something we've repeated. I want it fresh every time. And so I hope you hear my heart in what I'm about to share. And not that I'm coming from a place of having arrived. I have not arrived at any of this stuff. I'm exploring and inviting you into the exploration of these topics. So what are some of the things I've pondered this week? There's there's a few things that really hit me, and I want to share them with you. It was connected to this theme of of this message. It's up to you to break generational trauma. And I thought this, I've seen this image many times, but it's real. It has to stop somewhere. So somebody may have used the word stupid and yell at you, and then it continues down the line, the shaming messages, but somewhere it's got to stop. And we speak into the lives of individuals. I know I grew up with the life message, because we get life messages from people in our lives. My mother was always saying, I'm not good enough. Everything I do is not good enough. And she would almost yell it at me, and I would get hit for just the things that weren't quite good enough, not good enough cleaning of your room, shove my face in the carpet, literally, rug burn on the nose, um, you name it. So not good enough. Um, another individual used the phrase, you are a nothing. And that was like when they were very angry with me, they would literally scream that in my face. What does that do to you? You keep hearing these messages I know some of you, you've been traumatized with bullying and other things. These things affect our soul. Our words matter. We, right here, everything you say, how you speak to your kids, how you speak to your parents, you're sending a message with your tone. It's powerful. Next. Don't tell someone to get over it. Help them to get through it. This comes from judging. Tough situations. Even situations that we think, oh, come on. Grow up, you know, that, that's really, when you say, oh, come on, grow up, we're really saying, get over it. We don't want to engage. And sometimes that response, we may have some history with that person, so that's why we're frustrated, and that's okay. But this is about getting through difficulties, not getting over them. Even grief, you don't get over grief. You walk through the loss. Even today, remembering Carol, you know, remembering the loss of loved ones. Grieving may never stop. It just, the intensity may lessen. And hopefully we encourage one another. As you are shifting, this is a good one, you will begin to realize that you are not the same person you used to be. The things you used to tolerate have become intolerable. When you once remained quiet, you are now speaking your truth. Where you, where you once battled and argued, you are now choosing to remain silent. You are beginning to understand the value of your voice, and there are some situations that no longer deserve your time, energy, and focus. This is called growing up. I know someone was recently at a type of a reunion event and hadn't seen each other for years, and the last memory you have is when you last saw them. I've bumped into people that I went to school with, even at a funeral. It's like, ah, I haven't seen you for a long time. It was the guy that bullied me. How you doing? (laughs) You know, I'll remember as the bully. 
But after five minutes of conversation, we both realized we've both grown up. We don't remember that. And we catch up. We change. Even from a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, our journey of what we believe and how we think can change. We have to remember that people do change and develop and grow mature. So I think we just need to be guarded uh, wisely and filter how we react to some people. Take it your own way, because this is for somebody today. I like this. I do not think that I will ever reach a stage when I will say, this is what I believe. Finished. What I believe is alive and open to growth. I love this. This has been my last, I would have said 20 years, but then I'd say the last 10 years, but then even the last five years, even more. Just the dogma of what you believe needs to soften. The absolute tone of this is what I believe because what you believed about God 10 years ago is likely quite different today. It's not the static same. That's why it's hard to have faith statements or statements of faith where you lock in, this is what I believe. Now, there are some good ones that are really, like I love the Apostles' Creed, like the Nicene Creed. Those are old and ancient and still have great value, which teach But when we put in, this is what I believe about the Holy Spirit, this is what I believe about salvation, this is what I believe about hell, this is what I believe about you name it, you're locking it in, leaving no room to change things. Okay? This is about being teachable. Nobody's waving. (laughs) Inside joke. All right. Last one. I imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hates so stubbornly is because they sense... Once hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with the pain. This is a big one in this mental health thinking patterns journey that we're discussing. There are angry people. And we see them especially in the last two, three years. We've seen anger come to the surface. People actually lash on, cling on to topics When the topics aren't the issue, but we then attack back at the topic when really underneath there's something more going on and we forget to see the human. We only hear the adversity and yet there's more, but we don't take time to do that. When you see somebody lash out, be very, and someone who's very feisty about a topic, realize there's more going on than you possibly know, just like there is with you. Oh, I love this. I thought it was the last one, but there's two more. The very fire of hell is the fire of love. But it is a love that will burn the evil out of you. Now, this is, this is George MacDonald. Long time ago. Before even this revisiting the topic of hell um, was even safe. There is a sense already that the very fire of hell is the fire of love. Not that torture of eternal beat this daylights out of you with fire. No, 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 no. It's the love of God pouring into you. Last one. God does nothing as a judge that he wouldn't do as a father. Again, George MacDonald. This one should make you think. We've, we've talked about that many times. I'm not going to get into it, but it, this has to do with our concept of who we think God is. And how we read the scriptures. All right? So, 
I'll let you chew on that. Henry Nouwen writes, every bit of life is touched by a bit of death. And I thought this was important because we're dealing with, in the world, one of the most popular deaths now is the Queen of England and Queen Elizabeth. And there are multiple perspectives on it, but we're dealing with a loss of an individual. Family is grieving a loss, and that's where my focus is. I'm, it's not worth visiting all the political stuff right now. Sorry, be human. And so to remember this, this will make sense when I read it. Joy and sadness are as close to each other as the splendid colored leaves of a New England or Ontario um, fall into the somberness of barren trees. When you touch the hand of a returning friend, you already know that they will have to leave again. When you are moved by the quiet vastness of a sun-colored ocean, you miss the friend who cannot see the same. Joy and sadness are born at the same time, both arising from such deep places in your heart that you can't find words to capture your complex emotions. But this intimate experience in which every bit of life is touched by a bit of death can point us beyond the limits of our existence. It can do so by making us look forward in expectation to the day when our hearts will be filled with perfect joy, a joy that no one shall take away from us. Both are together. So how do we live this life within us, the life of Christ lived out? By waking up to the awareness of our thinking patterns if you've never taken time to ponder that. You need the plan. Every game, there's a strategy. Every mission, there's a strategy. Every sports game, there's a plan. You need to know your opposition, how you're going to play. I remember watching yesterday, watching baseball, and clearly preparing for my message. Um, I, <laughs> I saw the plays. They, they, they know one hitter will hit a certain, that they're typically hit one way. So they make sure they shift people over to that place to make sure they catch that guy. And it's a strategy because they know in advance. There was also new pitchers that nobody hit against, so the hitters had to learn, figure out how this person pitches so they can hit a ball. Well, why don't we do that with our daily mind? If we're having a difficult time, why are we not stopping for a moment to realize what else could be going on that's giving us difficulty? Why are we so stressed? Why are we anxious on certain things? Last time I showed you this emotion wheel, and I showed you this because the primary emotions that we've been talking about are anger, fear, love, joy, surprise, sadness. There's, there's offshoots that go deeper and wider, words that express even more. And the reason I show this is because the, 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 the six thinking patterns I'm trying to teach you or share with you are just the big ones. I'm not locking into all the hyper details. You can go to a psychologist for that. I'm just trying to make you aware, open your mind, that there are more menu items in our thinking patterns than we possibly realized. Six patterns of thinking that hinder a healthy mind, and here's what we covered last time. Cynical thinking, negative thinking, again, this is the broad brush stroke, okay? Um, always imagining the worst outcome, seeing the worst in every circumstance, seeing the slightest imperfections, every reason why it won't work. So that's a, a general picture of a cynical thinking mind. Not everybody thinks quite like that all the time, but there are some patterns in people. You've met people who just, they just seem to always, 
always be negative about everything. And they're really frustrating to be with. Then there's the intuitive psychic, psychic thinking. This one's funny. Thinking you can know what people really mean. <laughs> um, you see the hidden motives. Reading between the lines. They don't really mean what they're saying. Paranoia, judgmental. Uh, yeah, this is a, that's a type of thinking that can really mess you up. And today, number three, extremist self-absorbed thinking. Basically, I'm sharing this with you so that maybe you can identify a thing or two. And if, if any, any one of these six, there's one that seems dominant to you, then go back and explore that one and find a way to not let that pattern rule you because that will change your trajectory in your mind. What does the extremist self-absorbed thinking look like? It makes a big deal out of everything. Very dramatic. They blow everything out of proportion. <laughs> They imagine events that are so far away from reality. You've heard a lot of that lately. Anyway, one extreme to the next is a pattern of they're always extremely this way or that. Like the pendulums go weeb, like really far, back and forth. Overanalysis, dissect situations, over-preparing for responses. Sometimes this comes to people with high anxiety. Not, not the whole list as a broad brush stroke, but some of these categories, there is an overthinking part that can really paralyze you. And we need professional help to get out of those patterns sometimes. Because otherwise you'd be out of your pattern. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 says, Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. I love this next one. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. And he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Let me repeat that. Don't think for a moment you know it all. That's for the know-it-alls. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. This is a loaded text. This is really loaded. By the way, wisdom is a feminine word. It's not masculine, it's feminine. Which is important. We're both masculine and feminine. All of us have that in us. We can't just wash away one, exclude the other. This is a powerful text, and this comes from relationship, knowing Jesus better and better. Self-depreciating thinking. I know a number of folks like this. This is, this is a sad one. This one's probably the easier one to see. Always putting yourself down. Not being able to see accomplishments, but other people do, but you can't. Minimizing a compliment. How many times do you thank someone for what they did? They did a great job. And I have to admit, receiving compliments is hard. You know, I love to be appreciated, but when somebody says something really, really complimentary, it's like awkward. Like, you know, maybe that's a bunch of us. <laughs> Making, make the compliment a joke or turn it back on the other person, as in reflecting, deflecting it. Never see themselves as worth rescuing. 
This is about self-esteem. Many, many individuals have a problem with what they, they don't like their bodies, they don't like their situation, they don't like their personality, they want to change, they don't like their patterns. And it's like self-absorbed. It really is. It's a self-absorbed thing. It's looking inward too much because when we look at Christ, things change. When we look at who Christ made us to be and all the goodness that Christ has put in us already, oh my goodness, when we focus on that, we're not going to see this. So remedy for this low self-esteem is to tell people who they are in Christ. Speak truth to them. Speak goodness. Be a light bearer. Be one who speaks hope into someone's life. Don't be that voice that we saw at the beginning, you know, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're this, and pass that down. Speak hope. Less critical. Don't point out all the failures. They know they're failures already. I've not figured this one out well myself. It's, this is a journey of learning and growing. But self-depreciating thinking is a really tough one that can hinder how we live our lives one to another. Number five emotionally driven thinking. Now, we just saw that emotions chart. Emotions are much bigger and wider than we think. But when we live from just emotions, as in, and what I mean by that is reacting only by the instant reaction to how we feel. That is not always a safe place. Sometimes our bodies take over when we're in real danger and emotions get us out of a a dangerous situation. But day to day, our emotions... We don't live from them because our emotions really deal with what we're thinking about. So emotionally driven thinking, negative emotions. There's an overlap on a couple of these mind uh, patterns. Um, Thoughts running on our feelings is dangerous. So if it's just living from your emotions, you got to flip it for a moment and say, wait a minute, what am I thinking about that's making me feel this way? The feelings are a ding, 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 ding alarm signal to you. But the feelings are not the answer or the problem. The problem is what has triggered those emotions? Is it a crisis? Is it a life message given to you from someone? Do you feel rotten about yourself? And we can go through all these, these thinking patterns. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying about the feelings cannot, you can't be driven by them. I'm just telling you how I feel. Ugh. That's scary. We don't know how to handle our thoughts well. And not everybody does. We have to learn this. Burned in the past, you don't trust in the future. (laughs) Worry is a common thread when it comes to emotional-driven thinking. Now, yeah. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says, Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. I know this is an old covenant verse, but you can still find hope in it for you today. It's not to you, but it's for you. You can find good news in this. Forget about what's happened. Now, that does not mean complete block it out ignore it. Okay, I I know what's happened in my past. I'm never going to forget it. But it should not be part of the dwelling in my mind every day all the time. You can't manage all that bandwidth. None of us can. Don't keep going over that old history. 
Look forward. Now, this, this takes work. This is thinking pattern work. Fantasy thinking. This is a friend of mine came up with this. I had five. And then my friend said, uh, there's another one on your, that you need on your list. Fantasy thinking. What is that? So my buddy Ken, some of you know who he is, we had a long discussion about this, and he's right. This is awesome, and it's real. Playing out all the ways a situation may end up, negative and positive. So you're thinking through, well, if this happens, then I gotta be ready for that, and then I gotta think of this as well, and how am I gonna respond to this? Do you know what I mean? Dwelling on the negative and creating more and more outcomes. So then it goes on. So if that's going to happen, if that's their attitude, then i got to be ready for this. But what if they go down this road? Then i got to prepare for this and talk to so-and-so and so-and-so. And you're playing out a movie that's not even been created yet. You're fantasizing a plan or an outcome that most often is nothing like how it turns out anyway. Most often. But it's the living there. You're allowed to go there once in a while. You're allowed to um, process that. But some people get stuck in a spin cycle and really live there. It keeps them up at night. And they, they can't sleep or they stress during the day. Their mind is not at rest because they're so over-concerned. How do we find that place of rest? Next week we're going to get into some positive patterns that I think will be helpful. Dreaming up your own movie in your head of how it'll all play out. Creativity unchecked. <laughs> That's really what fantasy thinking is. About to fall asleep, fantasizing regrets. We think through those things. Oh, I wish I did this. I feel bad for that. Um, we can't forgive ourselves. All those kinds of things come into this kind of thinking. So all six patterns, here they are at once. Cynical negative thinking, intuitive psychic thinking, extremist self-absorbed, self-depreciating, emotionally driven, and fantasy thinking. These are patterns that ought not to be in our lives. They can pop in, but not patterns where they overtake how we have a healthy mind. Fear and worry are at the root of all six. And worry is an expression of faith in God's absence <laughs> or lack of concern. It's the firstborn son of fear, negative faith. I didn't come up with that, but that was pretty good. I'm all around you like a cocoon of light. My presence with you is a promise. Independent of your awareness of me, Many things can block this awareness, but the major culprit is worry. My children tend to accept worry as an inescapable fact of life. However, worry is a form of unbelief. It's a thelma to me. Who is in charge of your life? If it is you, then you have good reason to worry. <laughs> I like that. But since I'm in charge, worry is both unnecessary and counterproductive. When you start to feel anxious about something, relinquish the situation to me. Back off a bit. Redirecting your focus to me. I will either take care of the problem myself or show you how to handle it. In this world, you will have problems, but you need not lose sight of me. Next week, we're going to talk about some powerful actions that will empower and enhance healthy thinking patterns. Advice. Really good stuff. 
I hope this gave you kind of a menu, whether you don't see it in yourself, because it's not an issue, or whether you do, or you see it in others around you. Knowing this helps you understand and gives you patience and empathy. Not judgment to go point it out and correct it in people. Don't go, don't go running and, well, I heard you have this and this thinking. You need to change that. Don't do that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is just now another way for you to express love and care to someone in light of what you may see as patterns in their lives. And love will drive that out. All of us have the capacity to help one another. Would you please bow your heads in a word of prayer with me as we close. Heavenly Father, help us to take every thought captive. Help us to analyze and not overanalyze. And more importantly, teach us to hear your voice above all the screams of stress in our society and all the chaos and clutter around us. Teach us to be still, know you are in us, and listen for your direction and guidance in us, just like you guided Jesus constantly as he walked this earth. Thank you, Father. Amen.